kind of wrapping up our series today. In the past few months, we've been talking about what it means to be alive with Jesus in this life. What it means to not just know some things about Jesus, but what it looks like to actually live life with him, to follow him, to become like him in the brief time that we get on earth. And the reason I think that this text is important is because Jesus is with his disciples in this moment, this moment of magnificent need. The passage Aaron just read, it says that there are 4,000 men. And the reason it doesn't list all the people is because it was the day where, where the, the men were counted, right? That women didn't have a, the right to vote. And so they weren't counted, which is kind of ridiculous. That's not our day and age. If this was written today, it would tell the full number of women and children. But this was the context that it was written in. And so it says that there were 4,000 men, that there were more women and more children than that. And you can imagine they've been with Jesus for three days, And Jesus looks at this crowd, probably of 12, maybe 15,000 people, and he knows that he's done teaching. He's preached his heart out, like three days worth. Like, you know, can't imagine what he's feeling after this. And he knows that these people don't have what they need to get where they are going. He knows it's time to send them back home, to send them back to their towns, the places that they live. And he knows that they don't even have the strength to make the journey. And so it's interesting because Jesus brings his disciples to this moment and, and, and all they have is seven pieces of bread, two, a few fish. And he brings them to this moment where they realize that, that what they have is not enough for what the crowd needs. Jesus opens his disciples' eyes to this moment. He's like, hey, how much do you have? And they look and he goes, now look at the need before you. And he shows them that, that, that what they have is not enough for what the crowd needs. And I want you to notice this because it's so powerful and so, so pertinent to what we're talking about today that Jesus doesn't ask them to go and take care of every need themselves. What Jesus does is he asks them to release what they have into his hands. And the choice that they have to make that day is will they do what he's asking them to do? Will they release what they're holding on to, what is rightfully theirs, what they've earned, what they have, what is in their possession? Will they release that into the hands of Jesus? You know, I don't know what they were feeling that day. I try to put myself in this story, and, but I can imagine, you know, whoever's holding on to the bread, I can imagine them looking around and them counting. You know, the, the scriptures tell us, especially in the book of Luke, it makes it clear that there were other people that traveled along with Jesus. And so I kind of grew up just thinking, oh, it was just the 12 apostles. And I don't know how I missed that in the gospel of Luke, that, that there were a greater number of women and men that traveled and probably children with, with Jesus. And so I can just imagine, you know, them looking at these seven pieces of bread and these few fish and they're going, man, there are 20 of us, there are 30 of us, there are 40 of us. This, this, this isn't enough to even feed us. This isn't enough to even take care of us. Like, what in the world is that gonna mean for, if we give this to Jesus, it means that we're not gonna have anything for, our, for us. You know, we get the benefit of reading the story, going to the next verse, and we see that, that their willingness to release what they had into the hands of Jesus not only fed the crowds, but led to a ton of leftovers. So I don't know how this works. Seven pieces of bread into seven basketfuls of leftovers. And I just kept thinking, you know, maybe in this moment, maybe they had seen Jesus do this a hundred times. The end of the book of John, one of John's disciples, he says, um, he, he says this beautiful line. He, he says that, that many, Jesus did many other things that were not written down. 
He said, I suppose that if everything that Jesus did was written down, this world could not even contain the amount of things. The books couldn't even contain the amount of things that Jesus did. Like we couldn't even possibly write them down. And so I'm, I'm reading this story. I'm trying to imagine what it would be like to be one of the disciples, to have been with Jesus for three days, to look around, to see these hungry people. And, and Jesus says, how much do you have? And for them to go, man, what we have isn't even enough for us, much less for the people around us, much less for, for, for all these other people. And I wonder what they were feeling. I wonder if they were worried. You know, the reality is just a few days ago, just a few days earlier to this, they'd seen him do something similar with a crowd that was even a little bit bigger than this. And so maybe they were going, man, we've seen Jesus do this a hundred times. There's nothing that I'm worried about. But think about that. In your life, is that how it actually works? God asks you to do something and you step through it and you do it. And, and, and then the next time God brings you to a, a moment, do you just always go, yes, he provided. There's no worry. There's no fear. No, the reality is that every time he brings us to a door, right? We're so scared. We're so nervous. We don't know what's on the other side of that door. We don't know what is going to happen. We can't predict the future. And Jesus brings his disciples just like he does us. He keeps bringing us to these moments where he asks for us to trust him where he asked for us to release the things that we're holding on to into his hands. You know, this teaching this morning, it, it, it is not a promise that if we will release the things that we're holding on to, it's gonna turn around and bless us 10 times as much. Just because that's how that played out in the story doesn't mean that's how it always plays out in our lives. But the thing that the Lord was showing me this week in this text is that one of the things that Jesus does is from the very beginning of his ministry. So we see this when, when he stepped foot on earth a couple thousand years ago, and he continues to do this today because Jesus, as we just sing over and over and over again, that Jesus is alive. He continues to lead his people. He continues to lead from on high, that he is not dead, that he is not absent, he is not uninterested, that he continues to, in real time, lead us, to lead his church, to lead his people. And one of the things that Jesus has been doing from the very beginning of his ministry is he's inviting people to release things into his hands. And those who are willing to release the things that he's asking for they always discovered more of who Jesus is. That when Jesus would show up and he would say, Logan, I want this from you. If Logan is willing to put it in his hands, it doesn't mean that Jesus is always gonna turn around and bless Logan with the thing that he took from him. But what Logan is gonna discover is something, near, something new about the heart of Jesus, about his power, about his nature. And so you see this thing all throughout the scripture is that when people of God were willing to trust in Jesus' hands with the things that he was asking from them, they always discovered more of the fullness of who Jesus is. And those who were unwilling to release the things had a limited perspective of who Jesus is. You see this in Matthew chapter four, where Jesus shows up that there are these four guys, two sets of brothers, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and they're fishing. And Jesus looks at them and he says, I want you to drop everything and to come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I don't know what all Jesus was asking them to release that day. I don't know what it meant to be a first century fisherman. I can imagine that Jesus was asking them to release control over their future. That Jesus was asking them to, to set aside providing for themselves and to let him be their provider. I think Jesus was probably inviting them to, 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 to let aside this, um, 
this, this control, but also that this reality, that this is gonna create a family strain. This is a family business and Jesus shows up. Can you even imagine Jesus in all of his audacity showing up to these brothers and saying, hey, I want you to come follow me. I want you to leave everything that is known, everything that is normal, everything that, that, that is comfortable for you. And I want you to go on this journey. And they had this choice to make. Will we release? Will we let go? Or will we hold on? And they chose to let go. And so you see all throughout the gospels, the things that they got to see, they got to know more of the heart, the fullness of who Jesus is because they were willing to let go. Or in the very next chapter, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus brings Peter to this moment where, where Peter understands that Jesus isn't just a good teacher and he isn't just a prophet, that, that he's actually the son of God, that he is the one who's come to save the entire world from their sins, that he alone is the hope, that he alone is, is God in the flesh. And, and, he, and he reveals this to Peter and, and Peter's like, yes, and then the very next line out of Jesus' mouth is, okay, now that you understand who I am, the next step for me is going to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified and I'm gonna be betrayed. And Peter begins to rebuke him. He rebukes Jesus, he says, Jesus, no way. And what Jesus does is he confronts Peter with this belief. You know, Peter had come to believe that, that this is what the Savior would look like, that this is what he would do in, in his life and in everyone's life. And in Peter's mind, it was a different picture. It was a distorted picture. It was an inaccurate picture, an understanding of who God is and what God has come to do. And in order for Peter to continue to follow Jesus, the real Jesus, he was gonna have to part ways with some of the beliefs that had been passed down to him that were just wrong. And you see this over and over in scripture that Jesus brings people to these moments. He says, if you wanna be mine, you gotta release. And for those who were willing to release, they always discovered more of the fullness of Jesus. It always led to greater discovery of his power in his heart, in his realness. Because these men, these apostles, chose to embark in this journey to let go of everything to follow Jesus. You know, they got to encounter him post-resurrection. They got to touch his body. They got to see his face. And they died, martyred deaths, because they refused to recant that, that Christ really was the son of God. And you see the exact same, the opposite thing happening in scripture is that Jesus would, would confront people, that people would come to him on their journey and they would ask questions or they would want to know things. And, and Jesus would invite them to release and to step in. And for those that were unwilling to part ways, for those who were unwilling to let go, man, they had such a, they left with a limited understanding, limited interaction with Jesus. So you see this in Luke chapter 18 with this man that we don't know his name, but we know him as a rich young ruler. And he shows up to Jesus and he asks this question that, that we ask all the time, you know, that, that when you have those moments where, where you know, you, you just realize that there's more to life than what you've been living. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, what do I need to do to be saved? Like, what is, the, what is it that I have to do to be right with God? And he says, hey, keep the commandments. And this guy says, I've done those things since I've kept the commandments, since I was a, a young boy. He said, but there's still something missing. What else do I need to do? And Jesus says, you're right. Sell everything you have give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And I've missed this in the story for a long time. Jesus doesn't offer that to every person. 
All throughout, when Jesus would interact with people, the invitation isn't always, hey, come follow me. And here's what I mean. In Mark chapter five, Jesus shows up to this man who had just been oppressed by the demonic, had just been driven from society, had no friends, who had, who had no hope. And Jesus shows up and changes everything about his life, everything about his reality. And this man gets on his knees and he begs Jesus, Jesus, can I go with you? Can I go with Peter? Can I go with Andrew? Can I go with John? Can, can I go with you? And Jesus says, no, you can't follow me. Go back to your home. Tell how much I've done for you. And you see this thing unfolding in Luke chapter 18 where this man comes to Jesus and Jesus says, if you'll sell everything, you can follow me. Think about that. This man, all he had to do was to let go of this thing that he thought defined him, this greatest treasure that he had, his money. And it says that he went away sad. Why? Because he was unwilling to release the thing that Jesus was asking for. We see this with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They were the prominent religious leaders of the day and they had just become so distorted. They had let go of the real God and they were clinging to the tradition that had been passed down to them. And Jesus didn't fit into the box that they thought. He didn't look like and, and act like and do the things that they wanted God to look like and act and do. And so they rejected Jesus. And so the Pharisees had a limited interaction and relationship with Jesus. And it was because they would refuse to release the tradition to take hold of things that he was actually doing. And so all throughout scripture, Jesus, when he in, in, in interacts with people, he invites them, release the thing that I'm asking for you. And if you're willing to release it, you'll discover more the fullness of who I am and if you're not, you're gonna have a limited perspective. After this miracle happened, I don't know how it happened. I would have loved to have been there to have watched Jesus break this bread. Here, Peter. Here, John. Here, Andrew. Right? Here, Judas. And it just kept breaking, and it kept coming. How did that happen? It defies all human logic. How did that happen? We have no idea. The mysterious, the supernatural ways of God. And I was imagining the disciples walking around. I love the detail that they walked around and they picked up the pieces. These people had been hungry. They'd been starving for three days and they were so full, they didn't want to take leftovers. It's like, oh, I'm so full. I can't take another bite. Just throw it on the ground. And the disciples walk around and pick up all this bread. And I wonder if, if when they were bending down and picking up that bread and looking at it, I wonder if they were asking, man, what would have happened if we didn't give Jesus the thing that he was asking for today? Would these people have been fed? Would we have come to know that Jesus cares about hungry people, not that Jesus cares about them, but he's able to provide for them? And I wonder if they were going, man, what would have happened if we would have held on to this? If we would have kept it for ourselves, if we wouldn't have released in the hands of Jesus the very things that he was asking for. You know, we come here today, in this text, it's, it's not apples to apples to our lives, right? There aren't 15,000 people like outside, like been with us for three days. But there is this overlap in the story in Matthew 15 and what's going on in our lives. And, and the overlap is the overwhelming need that surrounds us. There are more needs in our city and in our country 
than we can even begin to count. The things that you've seen, the things that that your heart is breaking for, the things that, that you bring into this space this morning, systemic poverty. Some of you come in here and you're just carrying that. You've seen it because it's around you, because it's you. Because it affects people that you love and your heart. You just see this overwhelming need that surrounds us, this this poverty for for others of you coming this morning and and the overwhelming need that you see around you is, is mental illness. It's in your mom, it's in, it's in your coworkers, it's in your friends, it's in your neighbors. Some come in this morning and the, the overwhelming need is, is, is you see the, the impact that suicide is having on people. Others of you, the overwhelming need is your heart is breaking because of divorce or because of death. Others of you come in this place and, and the overwhelming need is a, is a suffering physical pain that people are going through. Others of you come in this place and and the overwhelming need is just the sexual brokenness in our country, in our world. Come in this place and, 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 and the overwhelming need is the apathy in our country towards Jesus. And I go, what do we do? I don't know. But what I do think Jesus is inviting us to do is to release what we have, to release the things that he's asking for into his hands so that he can do what only he can do. Our heart is breaking because of the need and we go, man, I only have so much time and so much energy, and I only have one voice. And we see the need, and there's going, there's no way this, these seven pieces of bread can feed every person out there. And Jesus hasn't asked you to fix everything in this, that's wrong in the system. But he's asking us this morning, will you release the things I'm inviting you to let me take hold of? I kept thinking how this plays out on a couple different levels. One is, is on a church level. You know, today and, and next Sunday, man, they're, they're kind of sad days for us because we're, we're going to be releasing our graduating seniors that have been with us for the past four years. Those who are moving on to what's next. And the reality is, man, we, we love our college students. We love you. We want you to be with us. We want you to use your gifts to to build up this body, to to reach this city. But the reality is that we're coming to this point where Jesus, and maybe you haven't seen it like this, but Jesus is asking us as your church family to release you. And we don't want to. So we're trying to sabotage your jobs and your grad school, right? No, I was talking to Carly last week and she's like, hey, I'm moving back to Cleveland, Ohio. And she was crying, I think because she's having moved back to Cleveland, right? Like... (laughs) But the reality is, man, we, we, don't, we don't wanna release people. 
You know, Zach, who's been interning with us, he's been with us the past four years here, maybe five years here at Marathon. And, and he's back serving with our kids, taking care of babies. He's probably holding Merritt, our youngest, who's crying right now. And, and, and Zach is, is going up to, to New York this summer to preach, to fill in for this church. We're gonna miss him dearly. And what I think Jesus is inviting us to do I, I, as a church is, is when he invites us to let go of people, to release them, not begrudgingly, but joyfully. It's like, man, when, when, when God starts putting something on Deb's heart, like if, if God calls Deb away for us not to, to moan and whine about how, how he's taking from us, but for us to go, man, if God is calling Deb to go and do, we're gonna joyfully re- release her because we don't just care about ourselves, man. We care about the crowd and their needs. And when we as a church family can start being open-handed with each other, and we start viewing this, this life, man, Jesus, hey, whatever you're asking for us, as a church family, we wanna say yes. And this thing happens is when we start caring, we start listening, when we start being concerned with the needs around us, Jesus just has this way of, of providing for everyone. So on one level, we're talking about what it means for us to to release this church, I mean, fully into his hands. Jesus, like, we don't want our agenda in this church. We want this to be your church. However you wanna lead us, whatever you wanna do, wherever you wanna send us, we are your people, God. We care about the crowds and not just ourselves. But it's also on on a personal level. And I can't answer this question, but I do want to ask this question to you this morning. Is there something in your life that Jesus has asked for that you're holding on to? I don't know. This is not a, uh, I don't have answers, but is there something in your life that Jesus has asked for that you're holding on to? He's not asking us to give up on these things. He's asking us to give them to him, to trust them in his hands. You know, the reality is that when God is invisible, when God is distant, when we believe that God is uninterested in us, it is very hard to trust God, to release these things into his hands. But when we can scan out and we can remember that what Christ did on the cross for us, that his real life was offered on a real cross 2,000 years ago. And the reason it was offered is to pay for our sins so that it was offered to bring us into eternal relationship with God. When we remember that Christ rose from the dead, that there is no power that is above Jesus, that everything is underneath him. When we remember that Christ has provided for us, when we hear testimony about ways that Christ is providing for others, it doesn't mean that it's easy to release things into his hands, but it does help us trust in our God. It reminds us that we can trust in our God. And us holding on to something that he's asking for, it might not bring the 10 time blessing back that we want, but if he's asking for it, you can better believe that he will use it in a way that will meet the needs of those around him, around us. And if you're willing to let go, you'll experience more of the fullness of who Jesus is. It might be something big that he's asking, but it doesn't have to be. 
talking to our friend Sam on Thursday. Sam and his only daughter, Kate, were going to a Preds game and having a daddy-daughter date. And they're downtown and they're walking in. Kate notices a guy on the other side of the street who's a part of our church family. He's currently homeless. And so Kate says, hey, daddy, can we go talk to him? And, and so of course, Sam's like, of course. And so they go over and they start talking to him and Kate's asking questions and I don't have all the details so you can get the perfect story from Sam. I'm just kind of summarizing. But, but uh, essentially Kate asks, hey, what are you doing? And he said, I'm trying to get some money to eat. And so Kate invites this man to come eat supper with her and Sam. And Sam's just going, you know, this is, this is not the way that I planned on my daddy-daughter date going, right? But they sit down and they're, and they're eating dinner together and, and they just have this sweet time. And fast forward a couple of days later at our, our baptism Sunday and this same man who's a part of our church family wants to get baptized. And Kate is there. And for Sam and to, to be willing to, to let go of his plans for the night, and sometimes it just comes from, from the voice of, of our children to release our plans. I don't know what the Lord's asking you to release. Right now, maybe he's inviting you to release your life. To really just be all in as a Christian. To not be one foot in, one foot out, man, but to give your life, to devote it to Jesus. Maybe he's inviting you to, 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 to release your future and your need to control. I don't know what it is the Lord is inviting you to, to give to him. But I know that if, if you will release it, you'll experience more of the fullness of who he is. Right now on a kind of minor level, one of the things that he's inviting me to let go of is just kind of this relational tension that's kind of existing over in one part of my life. And I just keep thinking about it and I keep worrying about it, I keep stressing over it and all the Lord just keeps inviting me. Hey, release that to me. It's robbing you of being present with your family. It's robbing you of, of walking in joy. It's robbing you of walking in peace. And I'm going, yeah, but, but I can't trust you with this because I have to, to manage it and I have to think through every situation. And he's going, just release it. And this morning, I, I think the, the reason that, that we've been walking through this journey of, of being alive is because this is one of those moments for us where Jesus is going, Corey, will you release it? And Jonathan, will you release it? And Kate, will you release it? And Brandon, will, you, will we release it? And so here's what we're going to do, man. Here in just a minute, we're gonna take communion. And it's this time where we eat a piece of bread and we drink a cup of juice and we do it to celebrate Jesus. That we're reminded that he's done everything that needs to be done in order for us to be at peace with God. That he's done everything that needs to be done to take care of our sin and to secure us forever. And so communion is just this reminder of who we are. But I wanna invite us in, in communion this morning to, to get in groups of three or four if you feel comfortable doing this and to, and to just ask this question. Hey, do you need to release something to Jesus this morning? And if so, what is it? Do you need to release something to Jesus? And if so, what is it? Don't feel the pressure to make something up. Don't feel the pressure for everyone to even have to share. But if you're going, man, I do feel the Lord has been asking me for the bread that I'm holding on to. 
to let some brothers and sisters around you in. Take the bread, take the cup, share that, pray for each other. If you come here this morning, you don't have someone to pray with, you don't know anyone else, there'll be some, Nana, you raise your hand, Nana's in the back, uh, my wife, Courtney and I will be in the back, there'll be others in the back. If, if you wanna talk or pray, I mean, we would love to, to just listen to you. If Jesus is inviting you to release something you don't know how, let us pray. And so this morning, I, I, love, I love what we get to do. We get to worship and we get to spend some time in the word and we get to pray in this next few minutes as, as, as the band's gonna get back over and just play some, some music. Man, this is such a sweet time for us to, to open up our lives and to minister to each other, to let the Lord work through us, to speak into others' lives. And so I invite you, man, be bold, be brave, share with the people around you. And we'll see what the Lord does. So I wanna pray for us. And then we'll go and take communion. So Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for, man, just the, the good things that, that you're doing in our church family. Thanks for the things that you've said this morning that hit hearts. God, if, if there were things that were spoken that just resonate deeply, let those things be remembered. Let those things just bear fruit. And if there are things that were said this morning that I said that were not true, that were not from you, that were, um, yeah, that um, j- let those things fall away and be forgotten. And Jesus, I pray that as we break this bread, yeah, as, you, as we drink this cup, that you would open our eyes. Jesus, that you would minister to us, that you would show us that we can trust you with the things that you're asking for. Yeah, Lord, would you minister to us? Would you use us this morning to encourage each other and build up the body? May it be all for your glory and for the good of those who don't yet know you, for those who need you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.